Good morning, everyone. Hope that you're having a blessed day. I've got a good hour and a half, two hour sermon prepared for you this morning. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I had a, a softball practice for my 10 and under team yesterday, and one of the parents said, uh, you've been, you've been uh, fasting for three days, and uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. You better preach really short, Pastor. <laughs> so... I'll try to uh, I'll try to get that uh, done today. Um, man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you for everyone who came out to our prayer meeting last night. We had a great prayer meeting uh, last night, just a time of worship and prayer uh, in our in our season of fasting here. And uh, well, I'm gonna tell you what it has been straight miserable for the last two days. As I've sat here and we've been working and praying or whatever we were doing around here, and we've been smelling that barbecue going on. I was, t- I was talking to Pastor Waldine, but between services, every now and then, it, while I was preaching, I'd just get a whiff of it. I mean, my words were like, <laughs> it was serious. <laughs> we're going to take communion at the conclusion of service as we end our fast together. Pastor Chris said he needs about five communions. He's that hungry. I'm telling you, it's, it's, uh, it's serious around here. I want to welcome all of you watching online right now. Uh, we're having a good time today in the presence of God, and I hope that you are feeling a God as well there. I want you to get ready to receive from God today. I'm going to challenge your heart and spirit. Don't tune me out, uh, but I want you to get ready to receive from God. We've got a great word today that's going to challenge you in your life this year. And um, <clears throat> Last week, as many of you were here, you know that Bishop announced our next big assignment And that is to go to Washington, D.C. and build a Triumph Church there. And uh, we are going along with Pastors Damon and Christine uh, Scapin, who have been our campus pastors in Nederland for the last several years, been with us for about 14 years now. And they're going to be leading that charge there. We're very excited about them. How many have been following us on Facebook this week? A few of you. You need to follow us on Facebook. If you didn't, you missed me singing a solo on Facebook. It was terrible. And uh, they made me do it. (laughs) They made me do it. I didn't have a choice. Um, uh, Say what now? It was not my idea. You sit on a throne of lies. You smell like beef and cheese. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, a little elf reference there. You smell like beef and cheese. Um, So anyway, we we took off uh, early, way too early Monday morning. Uh, we were leaving the house at 3.30 in the morning to go get on a plane. That Someone decided it would be a great idea if we take a 6 o'clock flight out of Houston. Lord, forgive me. For, uh, so we took off, flew to Houston. Me and uh, Dad and Pastor Damon and Chris, Pastor Damon's father, met us there. And we spent a few days there going around the city, uh, seeing what God would have for us there, and looking at the areas, trying to decide right where um, we, we really feel strong that this is the specific area that we're led to. And uh, we really feel, uh, Pastor Damon and Chris feel really strong that it's right in the, the capital area, Capitol Hill area, not kind of on the outsides, a lot of great churches out there, but right in Capitol Hill. Matter of fact, we were riding in, the, in a cab, or I wasn't, they were, I, I was walking, and they were riding in a cab. So, <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with that picture. Well, we're walking, they're riding in a cab, and they were talking to the cab driver about what we're doing here, and, and he said, really, y'all are coming right here? He said, yes. And they said, man, nobody ever comes 
to the Capitol Hill area, everybody goes outside of the district into the suburbs, but nobody wants to come here. And it was just a confirmation that we're on the right track. Uh, I want to show you a couple of pictures. We found a building, and I don't know. This thing is too big for Triumph Church. This would have to be God. But I want to show you a building that we found uh, and ask you to just pray about it for me. Can you do that? Uh, show me this picture right here. Go me the one to the front of the building. If, uh, front of the building. This is a, kind of an angled view of it. There you go. This is standing in a park. Uh, looking at the front of this building. It was built in about 1890 or so. It might have been 1895, but it was somewhere right in there. Uh, it's an old building, but an absolutely beautiful, beautiful traditional uh, uh, building. Um, seats about 500. Uh, there's a church in it right now, but they're looking to move, and they're, they're trying to, to get it in the hands of a really good church, and I think we qualify. Um, but here's, the, here's what's so amazing. I'm going to tell you just a couple of things. Um, if you stand on the front steps where, where you see the archways kind of in the front and the two steps going up the side, they're kind of small, but that's the front steps. If you stand on the front steps and turn around, so let's assume that I'm standing on the front steps of the church, it's behind me. You are in this park that where we're taking this picture from. You're in this park, okay? There are two streets that go at an angle just like this. The street to your left literally takes you about six blocks or so right up the street and you, you will dead end into the Capitol building. When you look up the street, you see the dome of the Capitol building. looks just like this. It's a little further back. This is a little more up the street. But this is the angle that you're looking at right here. I mean, it is right there on Capitol Hill. If you look to, the, if you look to your right up the other angled street, go up at a couple of blocks and one over, you'll get to Union Station, which is, uh, which is the heartbeat uh, the, of all of the transportation. It's where the subways come in. So it's right in the center of the transportation of all of the district and all of the D.C. area. And this, this church is centered right here. There's also a park right out in front. Uh, beautiful, nice park with a big playground and all kind of stuff. It also has uh, about 60 to 80 parking spots wrapping in and around it that you can't park there during the week, but on Sundays they're open for you to park in. We say, well, that's not a big deal, Pastor Renan. Don't churches have parking lots? Not in D.C. Nobody has parking lots. Parking is a major, major issue there. And so to have a church with somewhere between 60 and 80 parking spots open every Sunday morning where people can drive and come to is a huge, huge, huge deal. And so I don't know. Show me a picture of the inside, guys. You'll, you'll get a... Um, this is from the balcony looking down. It's a very traditional church right now. Um, um, but it seats about 500. It's beautiful. All we need to do is go in there and do some cleaning and a, a little remodeling in for a few areas. But we could go in and start having church tomorrow if it be the will of God. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Uh, I was telling our people at prayer last night. I'm asking you, first of all, to pray, Lord, if it be your will, give us this church. He can do it. If he wants to do it, he, he can do it. It's, this is bigger than triumph. It's going to have to be God. So, Lord, if it be your will... Uh, then we're asking you to give us this building. It's right where we want to be. Uh, it is in a great location. There's a house connected to it it's, uh, that comes along with it. It's a great deal. Um, but if it's not your will, Lord, here's the second thing I'm asking. If you're teetering on the fence and you don't know who you want to give it to, kick it our way, Lord. Just, just push it over our way. If you're not really sure and you're thinking like triumph or another church, just push it over to our side. Does that sound good? All right. 
Uh, there's a side angle view coming. That's coming from the angle towards um, the Capitol. All right, will you keep your prayer um, pushed towards that? For those of you that are on Facebook, follow us on Facebook at our Triumph Beaumont page or Triumph Needleland page. We also now have a Triumph DC page. I have no idea how to find them. Ask somebody that Facebooks, I don't do it. But if you're on Facebook, um, uh, keep up with us and, and track along with us. We put up a couple of videos uh, while we were there, and uh, every time we go, we'll be sending videos, up, putting up videos and prayer points and that kind of stuff, okay? All right. How many of you saw uh, the sheet metal that's gone up on the side of our building out back? If you're a guest with us today, let me just uh, help you to understand. We've been working on this building for like three years now. And we finally have sheet metaling. The project is moving. Uh, The roof is about 80 to 90% on. The walls are about 80 to 90% on. The steel is about 98% completed. Uh, They're about to start building the firewall, finish closing it in, put on the the drive under portacache. It is coming. Thank you, Jesus. So good things are happening. Good things are happening. Um, we are a, a little short on our money. So here's what I, I'm asking you to pray for, that God would uh, stretch our dollars. He can do that a number of ways. He can, send resor- he can send money and finances from unexpected resources. So we're praying for money to come from unexpected resources. The second thing is, uh, some of you ladies can get in agreement with this. I'm praying for some discounts from some of our contractors, right? You know, when you go shopping, and you, you may have the money to buy it full price, but it sure is nice when you see that 50% off sticker, right? Uh, so I'm asking you to, to use a little bit of your deal anointing and send it to the heart of some of our uh, subcontractors who find mysterious ways to save some money. Uh, find mysterious ways to cut a few dollars here and there and still build a, a, a great sanctuary. Can you do that for me? All right. God's good. God's good. I, I want to take one more minute. Are you okay today? All right. I want to take one more minute and talk a little bit about uh, what specifically is happening in Triumph Beaumont as it relates to all this change. I got a number of emails, texts, phone calls, questions asked this week. Um, well, uh, what's happening when, since you and Pastor Randon are leaving or something like that? And what I want you to understand is that Pastor, did I say what's happening since you and Pastor, Pastor Lindsay? I'm so sorry. Uh, Pastor Lindsay and I are not leaving Triumph Beaumont. Uh, we are continuing to be here, and um, we're continuing to pastor here. We're just going to be pastoring two locations, two campuses. And uh, so you'll be seeing me a whole lot. You'll see me a little bit less than you did last year, uh, but I will still be here all the time. My office is right behind that door. Um, you can come bombard me if you can get through Megan Fontenot at the front desk. <laughs> She's like, what are you doing to me right now? Is that what you're thinking? Okay, we're going to be here. Uh, uh, listen, this is something that's happening all over the nation, and uh, so we're tracking right along with what God is doing. This is not foreign. This is not crazy. This is a, a, this is a great uh, God plan that that we've been driving towards, and that God has orchestrated. So we're very excited. You're going to see uh, Bishop and Pastor Renee coming through more often, and so if I'm not preaching, you're still going to get some great preaching. I promise. Um, and I know that you love me more than everybody else. I know. Uh, just let me keep thinking that. And uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding with you. Uh, but we're going to have great. You're going to have uh, great preaching, and you're you're not going to be left. We have an incredible team of pastors and elders and leaders here, and you're not left alone. 
some of you say, well, Pastor Ryan, and I was here before you came, and, and I remember the days when we had one 9 o'clock service, and we did worship, and then the worship team left to go over to the Mid-County campus, and the pastor preached, and then he raced over the Mid-County campus, and there was no staff here, and there was no offices. It was just we had church, and then the lights went out, and we came back at the next service. Uh, friends, let me tell you, that's not where we're going back to. Um, we, we're, we're not getting rid of our two services, and when I'm here, I will be 100% here. Uh, when, when Bishop is here, he will be 100% here. When, uh, wherever we are, when Pastor Lindsay's here, she's 100% here. And our, our worship team is not leaving. Our staff is not leaving. We are here. We've got a great team. God has totally blessed us, and uh, we are 100% committed to the vision of Triumph Beaumont, to the vision of, of getting this building completed and in the air and worshiping there, and we're very excited about what God is doing. So I just want you to know uh, that this is where we are now, and uh, we're excited about what God is doing in this season and, and, we're, and where we're going, and uh, we're looking forward to good things ahead. Can I get a great big amen? All right. Grab your Bibles and turn with me, if you will. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. We can also, uh, if you can just put a little marker there. And Leviticus chapter 27. Hebrews 6 and Leviticus 27. I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 6 from the New Living Translation. It's a little bit easier to understand. Um, the New King James uses some big words that are really cool words, but they're, it, it, sometimes it's a little understand, hard to understand in this particular verse of Scripture. So we'll read the New Living Translation. Uh, you can follow along with, on the screen with me if you're not reading a New Living uh, in your personal Bible. If you're ready to go, say amen. amen. If you're watching at home, get ready. Here we go. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the examples, uh, the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. How many of you want to follow the example of those who are receiving God's promise because of faith and endurance? If they got it, I want it, right? For example, there was God's promise to Abraham since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Here's, here's what he's saying right here. You may have heard someone say, I swear to God. I don't really recommend that. But the point is you are swearing on something greater than yourself. Uh, but there is nothing greater than God. So God had to swear by his own self. So God said, I swear by myself that this is what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. I'm going to bless your descendants, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to multiply your descendants. And so he said, I, I am swearing by myself. You got it? Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. So when you swear to God, that oath is binding, right? Again, I don't recommend it. But just follow along what the writer of Hebrews is saying. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. Because God swore on himself, he cannot change his mind. Verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. 
one version says immutable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we have fled to him for refuge. Back that up. I didn't read that right. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We'll get to some of that next week. Here's what I want you to understand. When God makes a promise, when God gives a word, when God gives a command or a statute, and He swears it by Himself, He cannot lie, therefore he cannot turn against himself. Now this works in good and this works in bad. You might have read in Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, you'll see the doctrine of two ways is what we called it in in, uh, Bible school, the doctrine of two ways. If you do all these things, you will be blessed. If you don't do all these things, you will be cursed. God cannot go against that because he spoke it and and it has to happen. He has to follow along according with his promises. If you do it, he has to bless you. If you don't do it, he has to curse you. Sometimes we want to be in the middle. We're like, God, I'm okay if you don't bless me. Just don't curse me. He doesn't, have a, you don't, he doesn't have a choice. He spoke it, and he cannot lie. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. We'll read one verse here. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. I want you to note where he says, it is the Lord's. It is holy to be holy means to be set apart. It means this piece belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to me and it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. It is holy to Him. It was set aside. They've been cooking all this uh, barbecue and stuff all week. and uh, They've got chicken and links and all kind of stuff. Well, uh, Brother Charles was also cooking for, I guess they're having something else in Sugarland. And so for them, he was cooking brisket. Now, you have to understand, brisket is my favorite. If I'm going to eat barbecue like this, is my favorite. So I went yesterday and I said, hey, um, I don't know who you're cooking that for, but if you could set some of that aside for me, just, just cut a little piece off and just set it to the side and put my name on it, I would greatly appreciate it. Because I'm good with chicken and I'm good with sausage, but man, the, the, the brisket is, oh, I got I to gotta move on. So here's the deal. They've got me a little plate back, out, back there, and it's got a little brisket on it just for me. And if you go eat that, I'm not going to be very happy with you because it's holy to me. You've got to understand, it is set apart for me. And if you're really nice, I might share it with you, but, but they set that aside for me. It is mine, and don't jack with it. Is that my mic doing that? No? Okay, all right. Um, In the same way, God has a a portion that is set aside for Him. Everything in this world, there is a portion of it that belongs to Him, that is holy, that is set apart. So He says right here specifically in Leviticus, the tithe belongs to the Lord. I want to talk to you for the next two weeks, a really short series as we kick off our year, about first things and the law of first things. The title of my message today is just simply first First, the understanding the concept of first, because what I want to do is I, I don't want just to say, okay, um, 
God wants your first from you, but I, I want you to understand the reasons behind God's law of first things. I want you to understand it. I'll try to cover it all in two weeks. May not get it done. We'll come back later in the future and hit some more. It's a huge topic. But I want you to understand some things about God's law of first things. John chapter 1, verse 1. They're going to put it on the screen for you. You don't have to turn there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Two pieces of this I want you to look at today. First of all, in the beginning. At the beginning. At the first. At the start. There was God. God is first. This scripture tells us and shows us very clearly that God was first and then things came after. He was first and then he spoke things into existence. God is the first. He is the beginning. To be first implies that something else comes after you. And this is a good thing because that means you and I came after God. Um, what if you came to me and you said, hey, pastor, um, listen, I ran this race yesterday. And you wouldn't believe it. I wouldn't believe it. I came in first place. Wow, yes, that is awesome, man. That is, that is a wonderful deal. You came in first place. I'm excited about that. What'd you win? Well, I didn't really win anything, just the title that I came in first place. Well, hey, man, that is great. You should be very proud of that. Hey, let me ask you, how many people were in the race with you? Well, there was one. Oh, really? So there was you and one other person? No, 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 just me. <laughs> you might as well say you came in last as to say you came in first. Right? Because to say you came in first implies that somebody came after you. You say, well, I came in first, but I was the only one. Of course you did. You also came in last place. You're, you're, you might be a winner. You're also a loser. I'm so sorry for that. <laughs> but to be in first implies that something comes after. So, so when we talk about the, the concept and the idea of first things, when God says the first is set apart to me, um, because he is first, the first part belongs to him. Because he's first, the first in our life belongs to him. But what that implies is he's not asking for all of it. He's only asking for the first portion, and then there's portions that come after that. And here's the good thing about God that we're going to discover is that when, when we give to him our first, it, it frees him to bless the rest or redeem or buy back the rest. So because God is first, the first belongs to him. Leviticus says it's holy, it's, it's set apart, it's important to him. He's serious about it. He's serious about it because it is an issue of lordship. Whoever gets the first is Lord in our lives. Whoever gets the first piece, whoever gets the first portion is, is Lord in our lives. So let's take a look at this word that he uses here in Leviticus. The word is tithe. Let's talk, talk specifically about money for the next few minutes. But this reply applies, the principle of first things re applies to all of our lives. The word tithe here, uh, you also will see it translated as tenth. Because when you look at the amount, when you say, how much is a tithe? It is simply 10%. Uh, the dollar amount might change, but the percentage never does. It's 10% for me. It's 10% for you. It's 10% for your neighbor. It's 10% for every child of God. It's 10%. Now, if our increase is different or our income is different, your 10% might be different than my 10%, but it's always 10%. How much is the tithe? 10%. Not a trick question. Now, the second part of that, 
Because the first part, lots of times we get tripped up on. Many of us think we're tithing, but we're actually not. Many of us think, think we're giving, and maybe we're giving generously. Maybe we're doing great, and God bless you for that. I pray that His blessings would be upon your life. But the tithing carries with it a specific blessing uh, and, and the specific promises, and if you want them, you have to be a tither. And so you say, well, Pastor Runner, how do I know if I'm a tither? I'll tell you a very simple way. You can do uh, right now in this season. Get your receipt of donation that you should have received in the mail. If you didn't, you can call the church office. We'll get it to you very quickly. Um, shouldn't they have already received those? Yes. Uh, you should have received that already, your receipt of donation. Line that up against um, your W-2, W-1099, W-4, W-whatever, however you get it, uh, and see if it's 10%. If it's not 10%, then you say, well, there's my problem why I'm not blessed right there. I haven't actually been a tither this year. So the first step is how much. The second step, but in, in the, the really important thing that I want to focus on today about this word tithe, that it's not just any 10%, but it's the first 10%. It's the first. Uh, God calls us to give our first fruits. So the question then becomes, I've got $10 here. I'm going to count it and make sure. In the first service, I actually had nine. I told him that uh, years ago, my dad told me I had to work in every department of the church. So I started working in the accounting department, um, counting offerings, you know, at, on Mondays it, with the rest of the, the ladies and the team there. They kicked me out after a couple of weeks because I couldn't count ones. <laughs> I could do multiplication. I could do division. Uh, I made great grades in calculus. Can't count. So I had to, I had to get some help counting this morning, and I definitely missed it. All right. So I've got $10 here, and um, out of $10, one-tenth is a tithe. How much do I owe to God as a tithe? A dollar. Whoo, you guys are good. Come on now. Now here's the next question. Out of all of these $10 bills that I have, which one is the tithe? Okay, the first one. What do I mean by the first one? Well, it's simply this. The first one that you spend is the tithe. So I can say, well, well, Pastor, I got paid on Wednesday. When did we get paid this week? When was the first? Friday? Okay, so Friday I got paid. Well, I had to put gas in my truck. Saturday my wife had to go to the grocery store. Um, then I had to pay my phone bill. And uh, then I had to sign up my daughter for a softball. And, and then my electricity note was due. Um, so, Pastor, I'm showing up at church this morning. And I got my tithe. It's right here in these in these last ones. I think I got plenty to pay my tithes, so that's really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna give my dollar. But the problem is, my tithe was way back here. Does that make sense? Um, it's not just any dollar. It's a specific tenth. It's the first tenth. So, well, Pastor Randon, what do we do about that? Because you know. Most of us, I'd venture to say, don't get paid on Saturday night. Stop by the bank on Sunday morning on the way to church and get it all out in cash so you can put that first in the, in the, in the church offering. So how do we do this? How, how does it actually function when it boils right down to it? Uh, well, a couple of ways. Uh, Pastor Lindsay and I have our tithe taken directly out of our paycheck, uh, or, or most of it. We give some other things as well, but... It's, it comes directly out of a paycheck. I don't want to jack with what belongs to the Lord. He said it's holy. You can have it, Jesus. I don't, I don't even want to act like I got it. It don't belong to me anyway. So that's, that's our, 
Um, that's our personal family philosophy. Uh, others get set up on reoccurring donations or get their, their credit cards or their bank accounts set up, just like when you're paying your bills. I, I know I, I have several bills that I pay through my online bank account, and I never think of them. They just automatically send a check out. Well, you can do the same thing with your tithe, so it comes out first, because I want to make sure that I'm giving God the first. If I'm not, it's a good offering, and I, I'm sure that God will bless it. But I want to make sure that I'm getting receiving what God has promised me because I am a tither. All right. So there's a number of ways you can do that. Another way you can do that is when you sit down to write your bills out, just write the first check, make it be your tithe check. Make sense? So whatever you do, just make sure it's the first. If you want to be the, receive the blessing of being of first things, the blessing of being a tither, where Malachi said, I'll open up the windows of heaven over your life uh, and pour out blessings. If you want that and, and all the other things that go along with it, Proverbs chapter 3 said, our, your, your vats will be filled with plenty. No, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. If you want those things, you have to be a tither. So we look at how much and then we look at is it the first? Because God is serious about the first. Because for God, it, it's not about money. God doesn't need money. Uh, he, he owns it all. It is about lordship. Who is Lord in your life? Because whoever gets the first is Lord. Who, whoever gets the first portion is Lord. Um, <clears throat> go all the way back to the garden, Adam and Eve, the first of Genesis. God told Adam and Eve, he gives them some instructions. Listen, I'm giving you authority, I'm giving you dominion. You can name the animals, you can rule, you can, you can take care. This is, this is your earth. Fill the earth, subdue it. And he gives them some great marching orders. They have power and they have dominion. But he said to them, I don't want you eating of one tree. You can have everything else here, but, but this one tree, I don't want you to eat of it. It is mine. Because in this moment, it was a test of lordship for them. This tree was a constant reminder that though they had power and they had authority and, and this was their earth that they were here to be ruled, they were still ruled by another. So even though you have all this stuff, God was saying, I want you to know at the same time, I'm still God and this is still my earth. Are you with me? It was a test of lordship. Well, as you know, the story goes, they ate of the fruit of the tree, and they failed the test of lordship. When you look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, and you see where the serpent, where the devil is uh, convincing the woman, to Eve, to go ahead and eat of the fruit. He said something very interesting to her. I want you to listen to these words. He says, you won't die, uh, but, but God knows that your eyes will be open. And here's what he says in the New King James Version. You will be like God. Remember, it's a test of lordship. Who's Lord? If he's Lord, we're, not, we, we're made in his image. But the word like here is a different word. It means we're going to be even or above him. So now, watch what, watch what he says. Isaiah chapter 14 writes of Lucifer, who is the, who is the serpent, who is the devil. And when, when Lucifer, when Satan was thrown out of heaven, he was thrown because Here's his words. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, and I will be like the Most High. Now I want you to look here. The exact same test that Satan failed and caused him to get cast out of heaven is the same trick that he brought into the lives of Adam and Eve and caused them to fall and get cast out of the garden. 
They failed the test of lordship. They may have been the first, but they certainly weren't the last. And every time we have an increase, we have an opportunity to pass or fail the test of lordship. And here's the thing. Um, you could be, uh, when, when our desires and our plans are more important to us than God's, we adopt a Luciferian attitude, challenging God's authority and following our own agenda instead of God's plan. We can be Christian in our confession, but Luciferian in our attitude and mindset. The problem with that is God will not adjust his standards to our mindset. We must adjust our thinking to his standard. Because God is serious about the first por portion. You flip forward one chapter to Genesis chapter 4, verse 2. Let's read a little bit there. Genesis 4 and 2. Reading out of the New King James now. Then she bore again, this time his brother, uh, his, his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. This is Adam and Eve. They have two sons now, Cain and Abel. Uh, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their flat, fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against uh, Abel, his brother, and killed him. Now I want you to note here, two brothers. One is a farmer. One is a keeper of sheep. He, sheep. he raises sheep. They both bring an offering to the Lord. God accepts one and does not accept the other. Cain made a mistake. He messed up. He did not do right. In verse 7, look what he says here. If you do well, meaning that he already knew what he was supposed to be doing. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Uh, the, the NIV version says, if you do right, if you do what is right, if you do what you're supposed to do, will your offering not be accepted? So then we have to ask the question, what did he do wrong? Let's go back and look at the words here. Cain, in verse 3, brought an offering of the fruit of the ground. So Cain brings an offering. It was maybe a good offering. We don't have a lot of details on it. We just know that he brought an offering. But Abel, let's look at the difference. Abel brought of the firstborn. What's the difference? Cain brought an offering. Maybe it was a generous offering. Maybe it was a good offering, but it wasn't out of the first. Abel brought an offering of the firstborn. He did what was well. He brought what belonged to the Lord. Why? Because the first belongs to the Lord. The first, what happens with the first, declares who is Lord in our life. And so Abel brought an offering of the first fruits, and he was passing the lordship test. Cain did not, and therefore he failed. And God said, if you had done what was right, if you had done well, would your offering not have been accepted? Of course it would. It's a test of lordship. You see this test throughout the Old Testament, even into the New Testament. You see it at work. The difference for these two brothers was in the order. The first 10% we spend, that tells who is Lord in our life. And the other offering is great and maybe generous, maybe even sacrificial, but it doesn't answer the question of lordship. 
In Exodus chapter 34, and I, and I won't go there for the sake of time today, but God lay, begins to lay out this process of redeem, redemption. And so if you, you were to bring the first fruits, and when we bring the first fruits, it redeems the rest. And so this is, this is a wonderful thing about God. Because God says, listen, if you will bring to me my portion, I will bless all of, all of the rest that you have. If you bring to me the first 10%, I will bless the, the rest, the 90%, and it will go further, and you will be blessed, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, as he says in Malachi chapter 3. So what happens when the, with the first determines what happens with the last. What we do with the first portion determines what happens with the rest of the portion. There was a study I was reading about this week um, about the first three minutes of interaction that happens with couples in the morning, with, with uh, husbands and wives. And so they tracked these people for quite some time, and they were watching, okay, the first three minutes, you wake up and look at each other and start talking. What happens? Here's what they discovered. For couples who, in their first three minutes, did well, talked, had loving conversation, um, gentle, caring, in my situation, my wife needs to talk very softly and very slowly because I'm not usually quite awake as fast as she is. Uh, but however it went, uh, for these couples, the ones that connected in a loving, kind uh, manner, the rest of their day with each other tended to go well. It tended to follow suit. But if they started out in the first three minutes and it was negative in any way, the rest of their day tended to follow suit and they struggled to get it turned around. First three minutes. It's pretty crazy, right? It's the power of the first portion. Then what they discovered was this actually translated over into their kids. And so if their first three minutes with the husband and wife went well, it tended to translate to the first few minutes of time with their children going well and therefore set the course of their day as a family. And, fam and, and the couples and the families that started this way, over the course of time, their relationship was stronger and healthier and happier than the families that started out negative. Now, did that mean that the parents of teenagers never had an issue? If you've got a teenager or have ever dealt with a teenager, you know that would be a straight lie. <laughs> it's part of going with the territory of raising, raising teenagers. I think you have to butt heads every now and then. It's just part of the deal. Uh, but it, over the course of time, their relationships were healthier and stronger if they started it out right with the first portion. It's the power of the first. Because here's the thing about God. He's serious about the first. He's serious about the first portion. Uh, he's serious about his part that is set apart to him. He is serious about the test of lordship. Because for God, either he is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You don't get it any other way with God. Either he gets it all or, or it's nothing. He's either Lord of everything or Lord not at all. I asked my wife to come help me right here. Come right here again, Lindsay. I embarrassed her really good in the first service today. Okay. All right. Ladies, some of you have, um, are already married. Think back to when you were uh, being proposed to. Uh, some of you are not married today and are looking forward to that uh, day. Um, lots of single men here? Okay. Whatever you need to do, ladies, look forward or backwards to your uh, engagement. So your 
hopefully future husband comes to you and he, and he gets down on one knee. And if he doesn't get down on one knee, just don't even go any further than that right there. <laughs> oh, yes. And he looks you in the eyes. Why are you laughing? This is serious business right now. <laughs> and he says, Lindsay, you're the love of my life. You make me a better person. Even when you're mocking me. And Lindsay, I, I want to spend most of my time trying to be a better person and a better husband to you. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be there every time you need me for 360 days out of the year. I'm really telling you, for, for 360 days, it's going to be all about you, I promise. And I, it's going to be whatever you need, whatever you want. I'm going to buy things for you. You can go get your nails did every single day. And, and, and your hair, yes. But five days, they belong to me. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want. And it's not any of your business. You don't get to ask questions about it. <laughs> this was going well. What happened? Can I get a yes or a no from you? No. 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 Why not? Where are you going to be those five days? You don't get to know. No. <laughs> so is yes or no, that's the deal. No, okay. Would any of you ladies, huh? Oh, thank you. Would any of you ladies accept that offer? No. Because when you enter into a covenant with your husband or your wife, it's 365 days a year, 100% of the time, or not at all. No. You don't get to spend five days doing God knows what with who knows what. No. That makes no sense in our brains as we think about marriage. But remember, our relationship with God is a covenant um, upon which our relate, the, the same covenant we have with our spouses was based upon. So if it doesn't work for your marriage, you better know something. It won't work for God either. Either he is God 100% of the time over everything or he's not at all. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. You make the decision. It is a test of lordship. It's a test of lordship. Today we're going to do two things. Uh, we've been praying and fasting as a congregation. All of our churches together. Um, many of us have been uh, fasting at one level or another. Some weren't able to. That's okay. Um, but we're giving to the Lord the first of our year, declaring that He is Lord. He is our God. So what I want to do today is I want to culminate in a time of communion. Communion is a reminder of our covenant with God. It's, it reminds us of the price He paid, of the sacrifice that, uh, that Jesus made on, on that cross 2,000 years ago. And so I, I want us to take communion together as we remind ourselves and we remind God that we're given the first fruits of our year. And here's what I'm speaking over your life. That it's not going to be the best year of your life, but it's, it is the best year of your life starting today. 
Uh, and so I just want to release that over your life. As we've gone, we've given you the first portion, we've given you the first fruits, and, and now we're asking you to redeem the rest and bless the rest of our year. How many of you want to see the next 11 months of your year blessed? Amen.
either this year. This is a great time to get back on track with God. Sometimes we get off. It happens. But 10%, but not just any 10%, the first 10%. I want to pray over our offerings today. And then it, uh, as they're taking up our offerings, we're going to play uh, a short video, uh, an invitation to an event that's happening this week at our Nederland campus. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. It's a funny video. Uh, I did not screen it before I watched it in the first service, and it was uh, very silly, but I think you'll like it. All right, let's, ho- let's offer up our offerings to the Lord today. Father, I thank you for every giver in this house, for every person who's chosen to make you Lord today and say, Lord, we're trusting you with the first portion, the first 10% of all.